Hello and welcome to the Autism in Real Life podcast. In each episode, you'll get practical strategies by taking a journey into the joys and challenges of life with autism. I'm your host, Ilya Walsh, and I'm an educator and a parent of two young adults, one of which is diagnosed on the autism spectrum. Join me as I share my experience and the experiences of others so that we may see the unique gifts and talents of individuals on the autism spectrum fully recognized. I wanted to talk a little bit today about independence um, and more particularly uh, building independence. So, um, and I know in the past I've talked a bit about independence being different for each person uh, and, you know, also this concept of independence versus interdependence. And I think um, one thing we have to think about is while independence looks different for each person, we kind of have this set of expectations that we come to things with into life or that, you know, uh, and I've talked about sort of societal norms of, you know, someone, you know, going to school and then graduating and either going to college or getting a job, uh, finding a partner and, you know, moving out and having their own place and all those kind of things. And when we look at that, yeah, that that is... Um, you know, a, a version of independence, right? And it's it is something that you know I think we've come to expect in in our especially in our society. Um, and I've talked about the concept of interdependence, where you know we don't do things in isolation. We don't survive well as a species being completely alone and isolated and doing everything by ourselves. So you know there is sort of this balance that we need to strike between you know, being on our own and doing our own thing and also being connected to other people at the same time. And that can get a little tricky. Um, and I, I know uh, as as a parent, um, for me, it can be really difficult to kind of determine uh, where is it that I let go and where is it that I hold on? And then how do I, um, you know, maybe, maybe I'm going to use the term fading support, right? Like sort of fading away from or weaning away so that um, my child or that a, a student of mine can um, do things independently. And, and again, it, it, we can tend to get really caught up in that as parents and as educators, uh, I think particularly because we don't want to see our kids struggle. Uh, we don't want to see them fail. Uh, we want to provide support and we want them to um, succeed. However, uh, I think, you know, we need to step back and recognize that, um, you know, learning the art of problem solving and learning um, how to fall down and get back up again is a skill that uh, gets developed when someone actually, you know, does struggle. <laughs> and so, you know, it is a hard place to be in. I think having seen uh, different evaluations and also our own personal observations, whether it's your own child or whether it's a student, 
you look at the evaluations and you look at the output of that information and you say, okay, so based on all of this information, we created a plan, right? And we have all of these sort of goals and strategies that we want to implement and that can all work really well. However, at some point, the idea would be that as we see um, a child start to develop that skill on their own, that we kind of let them run with it. We let them, you know, explore it and develop it. And we celebrate those successes so that uh, a child can know that they can do these things on their own. Um, and then those little successes can then sometimes build into bigger, um, bigger wins, right? So it's sort of that sense of scaffolding uh, a learning a skill, you know, by doing the smaller pieces and then building them together to be a bigger one. Uh, but it can be hard because we don't want to see our kids struggle. We don't want to see them fall. Uh, and so sometimes we have to really think to ourselves, am I doing all of these different things? Am I providing all of these supports? And is it serving? Um, is it serving the child? Is it serving me uh, as a parent or as a teacher? Um, and, you know, what is the best thing? And can I step away and observe and see how a child can do on their own? Um, you know, failure is a teacher. And I know we can see all of this, all of these things online and social media about um, failure being a teacher and that, you know, you have to fall down to get back up again. And I, I think all of those things are true. Um, there's, there's one particular one that struck me last week where it says, um, you know, the top says, what is the, what are the best teachers in life? And it's, uh, you know, a heartbreak and uh, an empty wallet. And so <laughs> I definitely can resonate with those um, but those things also build resiliency, right? So that's what we want to see in our kids as well. And working with adults and um, having my own kids, uh, resiliency is a huge thing. And uh, I know that, you know, as someone falls down and gets back up again and puts that foot in front of the other, uh, you know, that's still a teacher and it helps build strength. And so we have to remember to keep that in balance as well. Uh, and, you know, what we can think of ourselves as is more like coaches and mentors and providing sort of that cheering section <laughs> without necessarily doing things for them all the time. And, you know, again, this is very person specific um, and you want to make sure that, you know, you are um, meeting the needs that that particular child needs. But uh, I guess I'm asking you to think a little bit about um, at what point do you step away and see if uh, the skill building can happen um, on its own. So, right, we want to provide the foundational building blocks, but then can they take those building blocks and then kind of run with it and uh, make it their own. Um, and, you know, as they build skill, we think about, um, you know, is it, is it that we're looking for them to do it the way we would do it? Are we looking for them to do things the way they should be done? And I'll put that word should in quotes. Um, you know, one example is there's a young child with an OT and the exercise a child, the task the child was supposed to complete 
was to put these rings on um, a dowel or a stick. And the way, the right way, again, I'll put that in quotes, the child's supposed to do this is by taking, I mean, this is a student that I worked with a long time ago, so this may have changed since then. But you take your, you know, you take the, the stick and sort of run it through the middle of the rings, um, these big rings, like washers, let's say, um, and put them through there by using one hand to pick them all up. However, the child was given the task to put the rings on the stick. So what did she do? She picked up the rings and actually put them over the stick and layered them over each other, um, much like a skewer. So with both hands. So even though you know, the task, the design of the task was to do it with one hand. She used both hands, came up with another strategy. And it's, it's a simple example, but I think it's an example of how we also need to think about how each person might do things differently than maybe we would think or is intended. And so, um, you know, we have to kind of allow for each individual to be able to complete tasks and create their own strategies in the best way that works for them. And so, you know, it is having conversations with students and with your kids about um, what is working for them, what is not working for them. And, you know, um, if we step back and allow for that uh, exploration of, you know, being independent, um, and things don't work out, right? We can then always reflect and say, hey, that, that may not have worked the way um, you had anticipated or the way we had anticipated. So what can we do differently? Or what are some ideas of different strategies or tools that can be enlisted? And, um, you know, I don't, I don't just do this with my kids or with... <laughs> you know, other, you know, people that I work with or students or families, but I do this with myself as well. So, you know, what can, what can be done differently? How can we approach this in a different way? And it's not easy to step back and have to do that self-reflection. And as I said, it, it definitely depends on each individual. Uh, but it is, you know, a, a simple strategy to say, hey, let's, let's try this. Um, if it doesn't work out, that's okay. Let's step back, try something else. And we make exploration um, something that's uh, interesting and exciting and can be adventurous and doesn't have to be sort of heavy with all of the, um, you know, sometimes it's like if they can't do this particular thing by this particular time, oh no, what's going to happen? Um, and in some cases, you know, yes. And what, what do we do even in that case is, okay, so what do we have to do differently? What strategies do we have to enlist? What type of resources do we have to go seek? Um, so it's the same exercise, um, but I would, uh, you know, I would encourage you to think about what does that look like, even on the most micro level. Um, you know, so is it that you can let your kid put their backpack on their own way, or maybe their clothes on their own way? Um, maybe it's not in the order that you would would expect or you prefer, but maybe it's how it works for them. Um, maybe it's how they put their toys away, or maybe it's how they approach um, packing up their backpack, uh, or maybe it's how they approach getting a, a school task done. 
So definitely um, think about being open to different um, approaches to getting work done and to learning different skills and learning different tasks. And, um, you know, one thing that I would encourage you to listen to is I've done a couple podcasts with uh, adults and how they're sort of building their own, um, building their own life. And I think it's really important to hear them and understand, um, you know, how they have sort of structured things that works for them. And that only comes through self-exploration and being able to experiment with different things that work and that don't work and then refining and refining. And it's an ongoing process of learning. And I think if we can sort of start building that um, process early on, then it doesn't become as scary uh, when you're older and really don't know. Um, I work with one young adult in particular, and he had a lot of support during his uh, educational background. And uh, as he got older, um, you know, at one point, all the services were sort of dropped and uh, in the high school time frame. And it was really uh, a struggle for him. And it was sort of like, well, we've supported all this time. And then now he's ready, right? Let's, he's going to high school. He's got all the tools. He learned all the skills. He's got the academics. Let's just put him in, uh, you know, like regular classes with his peers in the high school time frame. And I think most of us on here who are educators would be like, ooh, that could be a problem. Um, and it was a problem. Why? Because there wasn't this plan to sort of build independent skills and not just the academic pieces, but the social pieces and the executive functioning pieces um, and the emotional regulation pieces. All that also plays into a student's readiness. So, you know, as we're thinking about working with kids, even the youngest of them, um, how do we make sure we start building that um, you know, building that resilience, building that independence um, for whatever is appropriate for them at their age and at their level. Um, you know, and again, I really would encourage us to think about, you know, uh, how how much can they take on, and and is there um, more of a you know more that they can actually take on than what maybe we would are thinking or maybe we are expecting. Um, and then if that doesn't work, then then we go back and then we support again. Uh, so, you know, I really would love to hear what your thoughts are and your experiences have been around um, building independence and, you know, uh, how that has worked for your students or for your own child. Um, so please uh, message me, uh, share some of your thoughts, and I'd really love to hear them. And also check out um, the podcast with Becca Laurie um, and Dan from the Aspie World and also with Lily. So uh, you can hear about you know, what their experiences have been about becoming self-aware and building independence. And um, you know, I'm definitely going to be bringing on some other people talking about you know, maybe more formal transitioning. Uh, you know, so similar to that example I just gave about transitioning from elementary school to middle school to high school and then like the the formal transition process in finishing high school and moving into post high school. Uh, so we'll talk about that as well. 
And, um, you know, I'm also thinking about bringing in different uh, therapists, as I mentioned before, OT, uh, speech, and other, you know, behavioral professionals who can also talk about what it would, um, what would building independence look like for each one of those areas. So again, please share with me your ideas and thoughts and um, any topic suggestions that you'd like to hear about. And um, I will put something together. So those are my thoughts for now. Um, Take care and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Autism in Real Life. This is Elia Walsh. And if you like the show, please hit subscribe so you can get notified each time a new episode is released. Also, if you join our email list at thespectrumstrategy.com, you can get a code to attend one of my online courses for free. See you next time.